You know, many times in ministry, you believe that the Lord has spoken to your heart and this is what he wants you to do. And, and then, you know, you remember that nothing good comes from a man. And when you're walking around in Barbados and people are just blessed by what God is doing in their lives through this ministry, you're encouraged. You know, you know, when you travel many times and you're at the pastor's conference, a leadership conference, and people come and they go, this is transforming not just my life, but my church. It just gets you excited. When you realize from the materials that are written that people are able to therefore use the new Devo to be able to be blessed by it each and every day, you're encouraged. And I pray that that's what this ministry is to you, because that is what our heartbeat is as we power up for God's glory. So I pray that you would go to our website and become a Power Walk partner, to be a power partner with Power Walk. And that way, when you touch this ministry, you touch the lives of people. And that genuinely happens. And I pray that you would get engaged so that God continues to touch the world for his glory and his honor and impact churches that impact lives and communities. Thank you for listening. Thank you for allowing us to come into your home. I pray it continues to be a blessing to you. Thank you. You're praying for wisdom, but you don't show any wisdom. You act like you got wisdom, but you don't show any wisdom. Why? Because the concept of the Bible is out of your mind because you think you're too smart for God. And so now what you got is demonic activity. That's why there's divisions and schisms and all these different things right smack dab in the church. He said that's evidence that demons were running around inside of them. Look at it right here in verse 16. He says, but there was self-jealousy, selfish ambition exists, and there is disorder. And every evil thing from people who got faith, people who got information from a good pastor like James. He says it's so bad that you got demons running around in the church. That's why he says you become useless because the demons are in the church. That's why there's divisions and schisms and this group over here and that group over there. That's why I fight that so hard here when I sense it. Because I don't want Satan up in here. I need Jesus to heal. When we pray over somebody for healing, Jesus going, we need Jesus to heal them. It's not just about the church, it, it, it just preaching the Bible. It's about we need Jesus. We need Jesus to heal. We need Jesus to bless. When we give to bless, we need Jesus Christ to watch over us all week. When our kids go out the door and come in the door, we need Jesus to cover them. We need Jesus to be among us. We, don't, we need him to be among us. I want him to walk here. That's why he says, don't get useless. This is how a church gets useless. Look at verse 19. He says, you believe, or chapter 2, he says, you believe that God is one. So what's the big deal? Demons got that too. That's why in chapter 3 he brings up demons. He's telling us how demons can influence the way people think in the church. You ask people today, do you believe that God is one? Yes! God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all one. They could give us theology. He says, demons believe that. They shudder. They know, they see God so powerful, so mighty, that when, <laughs> when they hear of God and see the power of God, they're more scared of God than you are. But does that make them stop being demons? That's how much knowledge alone leads to arrogance and it can lead to demonic activity. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 
Because the church can become brainy, not hearty. A lot of brains, no heart. No commitment to passion for God. The minute something don't go somebody way, they're out the door. So that's not heart. That person was never committed to a family. That person was committed to their feelings and themselves when they do that. When they can leave because they don't like something, they're committed to the heart to themselves, not the heart of the church. That's why sometimes I just go, okay, I don't fight them. Okay. Because if, if a man can walk out the door, he wasn't committed to his family. A man that loves his family fights to keep it together. A woman that loves their family fight to keep it together. They will fight, they will be exhausted trying to hold their family together. Because they love their family. But a person that is selfish, something ain't right, peace, see you later, I'm out. They're into themselves. They're not into the cause. In 1 Corinthians chapter 8, he said that's, that's, that's what he is saying was happening in this church. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, Now concerning the things sacrificed to idols, you know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant. But love, the application of knowledge, builds people up. Love is to not just know the knowledge, but to obey it. If you love me, you keep my commandments. You will know my disciples by the way they love one another, by, not by the way they know me. Because if they love me with all their heart, their soul, and their mind, they love their neighbors, their self. So knowledge left to itself does nothing. Oh, look at John. Makes us useless before God. That's why I like life application. I've studied this for so many years. I am bent this way now. You can't talk me out of it. This is what we got to have. We're going to serve you. The Bible tells me, don't tell me not to serve you. I know the truth. I got to stick with it. I'm not mad at you. I'm going to love you if I see you in the store or wherever. I'm going to love you like nothing is different. In John chapter 5, look at verse 39. In John chapter 5 verse 39. This is what makes us useless. It's just to be brainiology, not heartiology. I know them words don't exist. That's a Paul Canning's thing today. Okay? Some people are brainiology Christians. God needs some heartiology Christians. All right? Y'all know to put that down so they can write it in Webster down the road. Heartiology. Heartiology. That's a whole new thing. Okay? Look at chapter 5, verse 39. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Just by the scriptures alone. Because you could quote the scriptures. You could talk about the Bible. You could walk around as Pharisees talking about the scriptures and going back and forth about the word of God. He says, you believe that because you did that, you saved and going to heaven. He says, it is these that testify about me. But when you look at me, you don't like what you see. You don't like that I say, love that widow that comes with the two mites. And you tell her two mites when it's one mite. You don't want to deal with the man that you walk past blind every day coming into this temple. You don't want to deal with what you see, that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. You see me doing miracles every day. You don't want to believe in that because I'm a carpenter's son. You, 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 you got this Bible up here. You could tell Herod exactly where I'm going to be born because you read it up here in Micah. You can tell him he's going to be born here. You got it up here. When I'm born right there and walk to your face, you don't want to accept me. He says, when you are unwilling to come to me, 
You love yourself. That's why knowledge builds arrogance by itself. You don't want to come to me when you learn who me is. Because your knowledge makes you something special. And me make you have to take care of the hungry and the naked and <laughs> come, to, come to church and not listen to the high priest who sits you in the front rows and make you look great. No. You the high priest. No, you got to come listen to a carpenter who was born to a, a, a carpenter and a woman, Mary. And when you track them, I came, she was pregnant before I was born, before they got married. So when you do your humanology, you come out saying, you can't listen to me. But you know I'm the Jesus. You know I'm supposed to come from a virgin. You know all of this. But when you actually see me standing in front of you, and the word still lines up, you are not coming to me. It's kind of like going to an airport. They got a description of you. They know exactly what the person say you are. He's bow-legged, gray hair. He got an accent. He gonna have a backpack over him. But when they see me, they go, oh, you're Paul Cannings. Yes, I am. Nah, I don't like how you look. Take off. There's no difference. There's no difference. People come to church. Oh, I don't like that. They just teach the Bible too much. Take off. They want me to go to small groups. Take off. They got the knowledge. Oh, yes, I need to be the disciple. I need to be in a structure that's discipling me. But I ain't got time for that. Yeah, 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 I need to read the Bible and apply it when it comes to my marriage. But I, right now, I ain't feeling that. These people are job driving me crazy. I know what the Bible says. Submit to your boss at your job and do what the Bible says, even if they're unreasonable. Colossians chapter 3. But this boss going to hear some of my mind. He said, what you do is you take me, you nail me to the cross all over again. And after a while, you're going to want nothing to do with me. Hebrews chapter 6. We don't have the time to go there. But literally a person gets to the point. Ephesians chapter 4 is another passage. Verse 7 through 21. We don't want nothing to do with God. Nothing. Satan takes them right there. Nothing. Sick of God. Tired of this. He takes them there. That's why they become useless. Look at this carefully. Go back to James. You know what? I'm going to read Hebrews. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. One book back to your left. Maybe that's why God keeps bringing it up in my head. It's not like you got to go far. In Hebrews chapter 6, I want you to see the difference between a person who know and do, therefore they work out their salvation in fear and trembling. This person is a person who is intentional. They every day get up and go, nah, I'm going to do what God says. Even though my feelings, my thoughts, my background, my psychology degree tells me this, today I'm going to go do this, no matter what. It's intentional. It's purposeful. That's how they do it. The Bible is saying, when a person doesn't do that, the flesh takes over. The bad experiences take over. The mindset from the past takes over because they get into themselves, not God. Because if I try to hold on to myself, guess what I do? I lose myself. But if I give up myself for Christ's sake, I gain myself. The person that he has, that he designed, that he called, that he wired, that's who I end up learning. Because the person who I think I know is not the person he got to, that he wants to work with. Because I have trained myself by whatever mama, grandmama, world says. But God says, when I get you, I make you into a brand new creation. All things pass away. Behold, everything you're going to do is new. So you're going to learn a new you if you come to me. But some of us will look at God and say, I do me. Look at Hebrews chapter 5. 
I want you to see the difference here. He said, look at the difference. He says, concerning verse 11, concerning him, we have much to say, but it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. How do you become dull of hearing? For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles and oracles of God. And you have come to need milk, not solid food. Got to keep hearing he died. Oh yeah, he died. For you have some church up in here. You got to hear I got a shoe, you got a shoe. Oh, God's children got a shoe. When I get to heaven, I'm going to put on my shoe. I'm going to walk all over God's heaven. We got to hear some of that every day. We got to hear some milk, David and Goliath. And we got to have a little dance up in here. Well, I can hoop a little bit. And that's what he said. He says, but you have need. He said, everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. They're not accustomed to this kind of teaching. They hate it. He says, he says, he's an infant. The person is not growing spiritually. Because they like it, say, milky. Keep it milky. Come on, man, don't get deep. I got to think. Go through all them verses. Just tell me what I got to do. Leave me alone. And get it done quick. What do, what do kids say to us when we talk long? Okay. Come on, man. You're finished. Look at verse 14. He says, but solid food is for those who are what? Mature. Who because of what? I want to hear you say this. Because of what? Can't hear you. That's what he's saying. If we don't do, we become useless. And when we become useless, look at chapter 6. He said, the person that practices it, they get discerned good and evil. They could see evil and good even sometimes when they don't even know the verse. Something is wrong about that. The Spirit of God so grows inside of them, they could see evil before they even know evil. That's what he says in, in chapter 6. He says, therefore, therefore, leaving the elementary principles of, about Christ, let us press on to maturity. Again, intentionally moving in this direction, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the dead works of faith toward God. Watch this carefully. Going to drop down to verse 6, verse 4. For in case of those who once been enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away way. That's why I'm begging you to come back. That's why I'm begging you to be in church. That's why I'm pleading with you. It has nothing to do with just Paul Kenning's wanting people in church. This is my fear. They have fallen away. It is impossible to renew them again. No preacher, no verse, no nothing could bring them back. So since they again crucify for themselves the Son of God and put him to open shame, People don't look at church no more. Don't look for direction from God anymore. Them preachers, man. I don't even believe them preachers. They're all money-hungering people there. Who, who them anyway? The church goes to open shame because we become useless. Because we don't practice nothing we hear or some we hear that is based on how we feel about it and how our feelings line up that make us feel good about it. And that's what we drive ourselves to. So after a while, we fall away because we stay infants. Just want the light stuff, milky stuff, keep me happy stuff. Tell me God going to bless me stuff. Lay hands on God stuff. 
I just want it milky. Don't get it deep. I don't want to think hard. Don't make me have to practice this stuff. Don't be holding me accountable to it. Just leave me alone. I'm going to walk in, walk out the door, and you don't have to even know my name. I came to church. I give you the holy dollar so you stay off my case. He says, those people, those people will fall away. That's why I'm begging. So that we don't become useless. And this is something you intentionally do. You don't get up feeling like church every Sunday. Don't raise your hand. There's a whole bunch of people that don't. There's times when I, when I had a rough week, when I was sitting in there like you. I had a rough week. I had kids going this way, that way, that way. I really, I'm not trying to impress you. Pierre and Paul will tell you, I really try to be an engaged father. I'm in practices. I got to practice them. I'm working on a doctorate degree. I want to get three hours sleep a night because I want to be in my kid's life. So I get up in the morning. I play with my son till 12 o'clock. Get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Study. Do all kinds of stuff. Go to work. <laughs> structure my job so that the last part of the job, when the kids go to sleep, I could study. I structured driving in the car, studying Greek in the car, traffic lights. I got it all down. I had no time for me. And then church came. Washing clothes on Saturday, doing all this stuff with kids on Saturday, games here, games there, running here, running there. Then come Sunday morning, it's like, oh, I love you, Jesus. You're a good God. But God. <laughs> I, I felt just like you do many times. But it was intentional. I said, God, you say to suffer the little children unto me. For such is the kingdom of God. I'll be a huge problem to you if I let these kids stay here. And I will show no model to them. They can't hear me. Because I never showed a priority for, for their games, not for God. So it hurt. That's why he says it's intentional. Look at chapter 2. Come on with me as we try to wrap this up. You don't, I know you don't believe that, but I'm trying. He says this. He says in verse 20 of chapter 2, he says, but, but are you willing to recognize? Are you even willing to pay attention to this message today? Have you turned it off? Are, are you willing to really adjust your life to it? Or is it something that, ah, he's right, but I ain't there yet. And God, I'm just not ready yet. Are you willing to? The word recognize means you got the information, I'm going to reckon to it. It's like putting, in, putting a, a pound over here of weight and a pound of sugar over here. It reckons with the pound. That's what he's saying. Am, am I willing now when I hear this to reckon with it? If, if I'm not, he's saying, I've chosen to go in every way I've explained and be useless. I'm a Christian, but I'm not a believer. That's why I keep, keep telling people, stop saying you love God, but you don't do him. I'm tired of people saying, I love God. Then do him. You don't love him. Stop it. Irritate me. I love my kids. I do stuff. My grandkids call. Papa, train me some of this soccer stuff you know. We got it. Let's go do it. Did I feel like it? No. I got the Tylenol out, put it on the counter because I know I'm going to need it the next day. But I'm going to do it because I love them. Come on, Papa, Chick-fil-A time. Broke as ever. Let's do this. 
driving down the road trying to figure out, now which money do I transfer over here to get this stuff? Because I love them. When you love somebody, you sacrifice. You invest. You do what they ask you to do when you don't feel like it. That's love. Love is modified, magnified on the cross. He didn't feel like being up there. Then he said it in the garden. I don't like this. That's why he says, he says, he says, this is how you become a friend of God. Stop saying we love him. And not, be, fight to be a friend. What kind of man is this that would lay down his life for the very thing we all need? Friendship. He laid down his life for this. He didn't lay down his life for just come to church and go home. He laid down his life for a friendship. That's what he's after. He lost it in the garden. He wants it back. He wants it back. When did he come visit Adam? In the cool of the evening. What did he do? Spend time. He wants that back. There's no more joy in my life than to see my boys walk through the door with their wives and their kids. To see what God has done in their life. People say, man, you've accomplished a lot in your life. Uh, turn, that, turn that to the side. Come on, Candace, you trying to tell me, well, sit down with some preachers. You yes, I'm trying to tell you that the only thing that I can sit back and the Bible even allow me to have honor in. A man can take pride in his kids. You can't find pride used any other way but in that. So yeah, that is the most awesome thing in my life. It's to see that. God is saying, I'm working for that. I'm, I'm not working for you just to be blessed with a car, to get blessed with a job. I'm working for you to be blessed, period, because you and I are friends. We piecemeal God. God, I need this. I need, bless me, bless me. God is going, just let me become your friend. When I am your friend, you are blessed. Work on that. Verse 22, he said, here's how you do it. Let me speed this up. He says, you see that faith was working with his works. What is he talking about? Come on, man. God doesn't do everything on our timetable. He does not. That's why nothing changes the way we want it while he's telling us to do it. Because what he's saying is, are you committed to work it out? So you come to a realization that I am the best friend you can have. If everybody was to leave you in the world, I am the best friend you could ever have. And you could know that from your heart. So it doesn't matter who you lose. It matters who more you experience and who closer you get to. And that's God. And Abraham lost Lot. He lost everything. Left his family in Haran. Moved out into Canaan. Moving everywhere around Canaan. Just, just for a minute, folks, I want you to imagine this. Because sometimes we talk about Abraham, but we don't think about what it's like to be Abraham. Could you imagine coming to the city of Houston, right? And he's moving you all over the place to the woodlands, to Sugarland, move you back into the city of Houston, move you over here, and you got a tent you're picking up, moving, 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 every place you go. Then you got to deal with your cousin, and, and, and you, you, you got you see his his wife is gone, and that was a wife for a long time, so she's like a sister to you. And you see a nation get burned up, and you're watching all of this happening. Who's writing about you? 
Where's the television cameras talking about you? This is a man out in the wilderness, out in the Canaan, in the promised land, walking around, and there's no Bible, there's no verse, there's no nothing. He's just saying, believing in God. There's no record of anybody writing about him. But he still believes him. That's faith. So here's the last thing he says. Don't believe it, but I'm trying. He uses this word perfected. He uses this word perfected. Perfected. Until you get to a point where when I speak, you act. I speak, you act. I speak, you act. And there's no doubt in you. There's no fear in you. There's no hesitation in you. It's just go kill your kid. Come on, let's go, Isaac. We got to go. There's no hesitation. There's no, okay, let me pray about it. Let me seek the Lord to see what I need to do. But it's written in the word. You know what the Bible is saying. Faith comes by hearing him by the word of God. You know what the word of God is saying. You know exactly what it's saying. You know exactly what he's saying to do. And you understand it. But uh, let me pray about it. None of that happens. You just do it. That's when it's complete. Until then, we don't have a faith that is complete. The minute we start praying and thinking and going to God and well, we exactly know what it's supposed to do. But we got this hesitation. He says, in chapter one, you end up with nothing. That's why we're useless. If you call for wisdom and you doubt, nothing. But if you hear the word of God and act, you're perfected. And therefore you become my friend. Go to John 15. That's why it's intentional. That's why he says this in John 15. To the group of disciples, he ain't get them nothing. Silver and gold have I none, Peter says. Tell the disciples, he says, I am a true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Verse 2 says, every branch, John 15, in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it, so that it may bear more fruit. He prunes it. Put you through trials. That's what it means. Trials, hardship, difficulty. He prunes it. So it could bear better. It could become better. If you study vines and how they grow, you have to prune them for them to grow to be what you want them to be. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him who remain. The word abide means remain, stay, settle, build a house in me. That's what it means. He says, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you don't accomplish anything that lasts. That's what it means. You accomplish something, but it don't last. And that's why he says this. By the time you get to verse 13, greater love has no man than this. That a man lay down his life for whose friends? His friends. We don't get to verse 13 until we are committed to do verse 1 through verse 12. Same thing he's saying about Abraham being a friend. You could be a friend. You could be a friend. You could be a friend. But we have to decide, am I going to believe in Christ and work it out because I believe completely in what his word is saying. And all I'm saying to you, living word, is would you please, let's work it out. I pray that you will give to Power Walk. We've got trips to Africa, to Barbados, to Guyana. We've got trips to the Bahamas. We've got trips into different parts of the world that God is leading us to. And I pray that you, your support will effectively touch lives. 
because we take qualified pastors with me as well who are well-trained, well-qualified. I look forward to your support. It takes your support to make all of this possible. We have a, we have a school that is now being built in Mozanzi, Rwanda. We pray that along with other people who are supporting this school that is getting it off the ground and has almost finished being built, that you will help us reach that $250,000 deficit. We look forward to hearing from you. Specify to us what you want us to do and we'll make sure it gets there. Thank you for supporting Power Walk. Your support is essential.